welcome to uh, another belated edition of the In Context podcast. Uh, we've been a few weeks, we've been on holiday, we've been drinking wine, we've back at work, we've got no excuses for sitting around <laughs> playing the Xbox and watching Disney Plus. We actually have to go and visit people in the flesh. So we haven't had much time to uh, crack on with these podcasts. Uh, so hopefully now we've got all our excuses out of the way, we'll be uh, putting these podcasts out every week. Uh, that's Good for some people, probably a nightmare for others. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this week, I, I think because it's our first one back and we were short of stuff to talk about, we're going to plagiarise Al Goodham's uh, recent blog post. <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen it, check out Al Goodham's blog post. Uh, it's talking about uh, loving the real, not the ideal. So that is something I think many of us as church planters and pastors and uh, revitalise as can can go into ministry with this uh, like rose-coloured glasses expecting everything to be ideal we have our own preferences and then suddenly reality hits none of our preferences are met and we are uh, yeah gutted and depressed <laughs> and disheartened Definitely. so what about you graham what what was your ideal oh mate i was gonna smash it i was gonna be like <laughs> you know we were gonna we're going to transform Cleckheaton and mm-hmm. Yorkshire and everything. And yeah, I don't know. When when we first came, it it was funny because we had um, obviously I'd been involved in another church plant mm-hmm. in a in a bigger town, a university town, and that. And uh, we'd started off fairly small. I mean, like twice the size we are now, but you know, um, fairly small, and then grown really quickly. And I kind of thought that might happen because you know Christians might join from around people always told us christians might join from around but you know we found out there weren't really any christians here which is kind of why we planted um but yeah i, I kind of thought we would get some some folks along not many um but yeah i, I thought i think i've said on this podcast before i thought we were just going to have people who grab the vision really get it go forward um we'd all be on the same side you know we wouldn't have any of this falling out about what we're doing because everybody everybody was on on board because we were a church plant um and uh, everybody had been on the same page and yeah some people were even on the same book <laughs> um so not the bible they were they were good on that um just you know in, in how we did things and stuff and so yeah it, it, it's this is something when when i read al's post yesterday um it really hit me because this is something i've battled with for you know, the last four years, probably beyond, you know, all pastors do in, in different ways, don't they, that, um, you know. Well, to we, be fair, I think uh, church members do the same thing. I think that they come to a church looking for their idea and leave when it's not not exactly what they were <laughs> Well, past, pastors want the ideal church members and uh, church members want the ideal pastor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I kind of think, you know, um, it's so easy as a, as a fan of, uh, a pastor or planter or whatever to just get not only disheartened but bitter against the lord and and, I, and even against the people because they're not you know he's given us the wrong folks here mm. you know never mind that if i were choosing somebody to plant in clacking i wouldn't have chosen me <laughs> um you know and so i think it is a real real battle um, because we want we want we all want people who are brilliant evangelists mm. um who fit in with the culture who um, do everything you say as a pastor? You know, maybe not that quite that quite that much, but yeah, I, I think you you want you want people who are 
better than you are, really. And, you know. Holier. Yeah, holier. holier. Yeah. Listen, we all, as, as church planters, right, as particularly in kind of forgotten places or whatever, we want, we, we want church members who have a job that pays 100k a year and uh, and don't have to actually turn up to work so that they can do all the work in here. Oh, I mean, that's what we want, eh? We want yeah. we want rich people who don't have to work, and so that so that they can pay lots into the thing and give lots of time, and who happen to be like better evangelists than the Apostle Paul. Yeah. And we get cross with people because they ain't that. So, mate, you, you've told us your ideal. Tell us, tell us, tell us the reality. <laughs> <laughs> Not that, right? I mean, we. we I can't say again. I've said it on here before, but. We ended up with a team of 10 that started, um, yeah, uh, f- folks who had had a good heart for reaching, uh, reaching our area, but maybe um, for what reasons of age or culture or whatever, found it really hard here. And so some, some, some were here. Um, so some aren't, uh, you know, have, have moved on now, but uh, yeah, we're, we're small. Um, I don't think anybody in our church would say they found the last four years comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no, no one's gone, oh, this church planting, I love it, mate. It's, it's right up my comfort zone. You know, I, it's, it's all of us are, are uh, we're not poor, but we're not, none of us, are, we've not got anybody who's earning big books. You know, we've not got anybody who's um, a natural. Um, I'm up and out of money to the community and I love it all the time. Um, and so what we've got is a small team of, failures trying to help each other follow jesus and, and and reach out to our town you know which is ultimately what the church should be right but we just get crossed because we've not got superman i mean we we are uh, coming to the end of our ministry uh, well not particularly our ministry but the particular role that we've got right now uh, within the ministry and so so we've been doing a lot of reflecting me in particular uh and again, looking at how uh, my ideal was never met, which discouraged and disheartened me, and 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 seeing how because I was discouraged and <laughs> disheartened, how uh, I've probably disheartened and discouraged members, and and possibly put people off from from joining us. So again, that's a real danger, isn't it? That if we are looking for certain people and certain characters uh, with certain gifts beyond that what we've got, <laughs> we're looking for that ideal person. How, how do you prevent yourself from a discouraging your members who are already with you and giving up a lot to serve alongside you, uh, and those who are thinking about joining you? How how do we avoid that? Yeah, I think I think firstly we've got to get our hearts right, and we um, ultimately um, the Lord gives us the right people. Ultimately, I, it might not be our ideal, but. The Lord gives us what we need. You know, we're looking at Ezra this uh, this this at the minute on Sunday mornings, and it's just time and time again the message of Ezra is the Lord provides for all their needs, even when their need is to get smashed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the the Lord moves people's hearts to move to, um, you know, back to Jerusalem in Ezra and stuff. And it's 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 we we've got to get our hearts right that um, the Lord's sovereign. The Lord um, is working and he's given us the folks he's given us. And, you know, they've, they've got to remember um, that he's given them the pastor that uh, he's given them. And I think that's another helpful way to, to stop discouraging, to, to stop ourselves discouraging people 
um, because we're disappointed in them is is just to remember that they're probably disappointed in us even more than we are. Uh, and and you know, I know you're like me. That that's quite a lot. Um, well, to be honest, like you're not going to get John Stott move <laughs> move to Clack Eight, are you? So so the so the, he's dead, is, the reality is that if uh, you're looking for some super preacher. Uh, in Clegg Eaton, you're not going to get one, but the pastor in the same sense has to realise that he's not going to get Matthew, Mark, Luke and John either. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, right? I, I mean, the, it is about getting our heart right because, like you say, we're not going to get Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, but how, how many times did Jesus just go in, what a bunch of losers? You know, he's, he's just calmed the storm and like, who's this guy? And he's like, do you not get it yet? What a bunch of idiots. You know, but can Jesus. I just, can I just stop you? I want to apologise for the fact that I had to use a dead preacher because there's another recent preachers alive that I could have mentioned. <laughs> yeah, sorry, 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 bro. What were you saying? He's, he, he's not going to give us a, a an Andy Constable, is he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> just because he looks old now, because his bald spots getting bigger and bigger. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's the thing. It's like you know. Christians are losers. You know, we talked about this a while back, didn't we? A month or so ago. You know, we we've got to stop thinking we're cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we're not even the best. You know, the Apostle Paul he says I'm the worst of sinners, and so we've got to adjust our expectations because they're not biblical expectations. They're they're worldly expectations of you know if you were hiring a team to to get a message out in Clark Eaton or Middlesbrough or whatever, you'd have slick advertising and good-looking people, and instead, the Lord's in us lot, <laughs> which are not right good at either of those two things. So so I think that's, that's a, you know, we it ultimately comes down to our hearts. Are we, are we happy with what the Lord's given us? Well, we should be, because he's given us what we need. Mm. Um, and he's given us precious people who Jesus bled and died for. Um, and so we've got to love and serve them. And I, the other thing I think is, is that um, we've got to we've got to think through how we do things biblically. Mm. Um, so you know, it, again, it comes down to expectations. We've got to think through. Well, you know, ultimately, the gospel's pretty simple to preach. You know, you just explain the gospel, and the Lord does the rest. So you could have the best-looking, most talented evangelist in the world, and nobody gets saved. Because ultimately it's the spirit that moves, mm. um, and so we've got to patiently just teach people to to explain the gospel mm. and um, give a give a realistic picture. I think that's the third thing I would say is that as as we talk to people, especially about joining our churches or in uh, prayer letters or on stuff like this, we either we either give a picture of like it's basically heaven here, come and live here. Or we give a picture of it's basically hell. You know, it's so bad. You know, your kids are going to end up injecting smack in their eyeballs and blah, 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 blah. And like, it's no wonder nobody comes, right? Well, that's a problem, isn't it? That I've known people who who can generate a great team for the first six months and then they all leave because they've lied and promised (laughs) (laughs) promised like huge revival. Or you get people like me. Or like just discourage everyone coming because you're just focusing on all the bed points. So, like, the, the, we need to have a a reality, a truthful reality that looks at 
both sides of the coin that you know what this will be tough but there'll be going to be some massive highs along the way uh, we'll, we'll be trusting in God in ways like we've never had to trust in him before and things like that so yeah it's getting that balance isn't it from like being so truthful you, you make people want to avoid you <laughs> <laughs> or lying so that they join you and they disappear six months later <laughs> Totally. Yeah, I think I think it is just about it is it comes down to realistic expectations, doesn't it? You know, we, we do live in the already. You know, the gospel is true and Jesus saves people through his gospel. And so we we've got to we've got to be confident and bold that that the Lord will do his work. But we've also got to be realistic that, you know, it is a hard slogan. You know, before we spend hours just sitting down and reading the Bible with somebody or whatever. We've got to prove that we've not got three heads, and we've for a, for a culture like ours in our town that's very suspicious of outsiders. There is going to be a long slog of just making friends and all that sort of stuff, and living in the community. And so we've just got to be realistic about both those things, haven't we? And again, and realistic in that the primary goal that we have is 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 to preach to, to pray for, and to uh, encourage our. Uh, members to, to follow our example so all we can do is pray for our members preach to our members and uh, set an example that they can follow in a way that we are uh, reaching out to our community and being part of the community but if we want to welcome people into our community we've got to have a decent community yeah. ourselves and we've got to be realistic about the time that people can offer so we've had people who have been homeless who want 24 7 community but the rest of the church are busy, are working, yeah. family members, they can't c commit to that. So often the 24-7 community would be left to me and Rachel to do, which you'd then get frustrated. Yep. And you think you need help, you need staff. So you, you, you take staff on and then that just takes up more of your time because you're training them and they're sat around playing Xbox and you're like just twice yeah. as busy. <laughs> so you get frustrated with them. So it's like a, a chicken and, a, and an egg thing, isn't it? I think... Yeah. We, we want to, I think sometimes my motivation to train and my preaching was often to encourage people to, to live a lifestyle different to what they were doing rather than my primary aim should have been for them to fall more in love with Jesus and then supernaturally as they become more like Christ, uh, they, they would do those things naturally whereas I think they can tell well they're not they're not thick aren't they your members <laughs> they can tell when you're just like trying to really well, even, even if they were we couldn't say it on here could we <laughs> but you, you can't railroad church members into doing something that they don't particularly do and even if you do I think there's some churches where I've seen people serving but begrudgingly <laughs> <laughs> and it's on the face so you don't want people serving who hate it and are just doing it because they feel guilty and neither do, do you know what I mean it's it's getting that balance isn't it to our primary aim is to encourage our Christian members to, to become more in love with Jesus yeah I mean we have um, uh, a thing at our church we talk about we have I can't remember the distinctives or priorities or some I should do really shouldn't I? but we we talk about having four things of of rejoice love serve and reach that's what we want to do as a church you know we want to rejoice in in the gospel of Jesus and in all he's given us we want to love each other as Jesus has loved us we want to serve each other in our and uh, the gospel and in, in our town and we want to reach out with the good news of Jesus but we say regularly look the first the second three 
are dependent on the first one. If you're not rejoicing in Jesus, you will not love, serve, and reach um, because it all flows out of that overflowing love of God in Christ in the gospel. Um, and so what we need to do is to teach, teach people, look, Jesus is enough. Jesus is worth it. The gospel is awesome. The Holy Spirit's at work inside you. Just rejoice in that. And then out of that joy, you can live like this because Jesus already has lived like this. You can live like that. And I think sometimes we can fall into, because we're so desperate to see the work done, it comes out of a good place, doesn't it? It comes out of, we're, we're desperate to see people saved. We're like, you must, rather than you can because Jesus already has. And it's about getting that emphasis right, isn't it? And again, not recruiting people to make your life easier. <laughs> it's like we're recruiting people to the church for their salvation and yeah. uh, for God's glory, not for like you want a day off on a Friday and you've got too much to do, so you need two more Christians to come and make your life easier. Isn't it? Again, it's reminding ourselves that we are the shepherds and that yeah. we, we, we our primary aim is, is, is to shepherd and hopefully that if we're doing that well, these things will, will naturally happen. And it, again, for me, I think, the reality is we've needed middle-class people who don't want to move to the area, who work full-time, who don't have much time to give to the church, but they're praying for us regularly, uh, they're financially giving to our work, and, and that is as essential. Although frustrating at the start because you'd rather see them at everything, but the fact is they can't commit. Uh, and but what they are committing is still beneficial to the work that we're doing, isn't it? Yeah. And even just, you know, those folks have, who, um, they're there on a Sunday as well. You know, we, we don't want to build churches where the, the um, culture is of like, oh, we turn up on a Sunday and we go off, do whatever else in the week. We're not interested. That's not, that's not gospel life. But just life stage and and uh, pattern and stuff and especially in our context where there aren't any christians really in our town uh, really um we we need people from outside and if if people say oh we, we've got to drive a few miles but we're coming to help you out um, and we can't do loads in the week we'll pop in and out where we can um but, but we'll give and we'll be there on a sunday and we'll love and serve you um as as and when we can that's great you know obviously Long term, we want we want people in Clicky, and that's you know that's where we want to reach. That's where we're a church for. But um, you know, people can help. We've got um, my other elder actually lives in Batley, which is just about in the Spen Valley, so it's fine. But you know, they have to get in their car on a Sunday morning. We've got a, a family who are, are technically um, on loan to us for an initial year um, uh, from Huddersfield. And, and, you know, they, they travel over every Sunday and they come in and out of town when they can. But, you know, it's difficult. You don't drive and, you know, it's, it's 10 miles kind of thing. So th these things can be great, but you can expect them to be doing exactly the same as somebody who lives around the corner uh, in town. You know, we've, we've just got to be realistic about these things. So do, do, there's a lot of churches bang on about 24-7 community. Uh, we are one of those churches. <laughs> so are we. <laughs> but, but, but the reality is, do you think in this culture that that's ever really possible, that we'll ever see a 24-7 uh, culture, church culture? I think it's really hard, isn't it? I mean, um, you know, ultimately, 
we've got folks in our church who work 60, 70 hour weeks, mm. you know, and that, that's just the reality of it. Um, and, you know, there might be options for some people to say, oh, well, I'll work part time or, you know, I'll, 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 I'll work to rule or something. But in, in some jobs and in careers and stuff, that's just not possible. Um, and so we've got to find ways to build that culture of loving one another and discipling and, and sharing as best we can but the reality is for some folks they just they, they can't be around in fact most folks right who have a a, a nine-to-five job are not around during the day mm. um and you know other people who work shifts are not around at night so it's like how do you get everybody how do you have 24 7 discipleship when people work at different times um we've literally got that um and so you've got to be realistic again of we're not going to have that thing where um everybody's together all the time or whatever we've just got to be realistic and find ways to do it within that context you know the principles of encouraging one another daily building one another up bearing one another's burdens how do we do that when you know we can't always be in the same room at the same time and uh, and that kind of thing i mean we've had it uh, even just recently that culture class of um, perhaps some folks who, who who are very organized and like everything diarized, you know, three years in advance. And then people like Don and I were just like, well, what are you doing in next hour? Well, I'm not sure. Let's, let's, should we do this? Um, and so that can be a real culture because, you know, a real culture clash. And so it's about finding ways to do that community when for some folks, if it's not in the diary three weeks in advance, it isn't happening. You know, how do we help them fit in with the culture of people who, who want to book, you know, just do everything last minute? And how do we, and vice versa? Um, and it's finding ways to build that culture and that discipleship and that family feeling into that as best you can. You know, we, we've got to contextualize everything in a, in a right way. And, you know, those folks who, in the New Testament, lots of them would be, yeah, around and they all lived in the same place they all worked in the same place they didn't drive off 30 miles or get on the train or whatever and we just got to be realistic that that's the world we live in and so we've just got to work as hard as we can and and not get our expectations that someone can't drop everything at two minutes notice and do what i want to do and, and for me I, I wonder how healthy it is to promote that type of of, of ministry and, and church lifestyle where we have it's obviously just we want to aspire to have the best we can and ideally Christians living side by side working together having 24-7 community would be ideal but the reality is we don't even have families living that type of lifestyle never mind the church family and I think there was so much pressure for me to replicate other things that I'd seen yeah. uh, or heard of or, or even read that it was something I was pushing without thinking about the contextual reality of it within the town that we were ministering to. I put a lot of pressure on myself, which meant I didn't have holidays and time off and things like that. I put a lot of pressure on uh, the church members. And, and on reflection over the last 10 years, what I've seen is uh, those who desired the 24-7 community uh, were the people who were homeless or the only Christians in the family or or... or uh, were recovering from addiction or ex-offenders and things like that and what we found is that they would take up a lot of time then some would be saved 
then some would would move on and get jobs. Then they no longer needed that twenty four seven discipleship because they were busy, <laughs> and you were almost devastated when people got a job because you were like, I've, <laughs> "I've got no one to see now on a Wednesday." So again, it, it's it's not something that's needed constantly. Not everyone in a council estate is unemployed. Uh, yeah. So so again, you then employ people to think, right, we've got three people here who need discipling. You employ someone, then a year and a half later, the people have either walked away or, or got a job. And then the, the person you've employed sat around playing tiddlywinks all day. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how, do you, how should you address that thing? Because for me, we have a lot of community, but it mainly focuses around the, the staff, the people who are employed, and mm. uh, the other members dip in and out of that sometimes they feel like they're missing out other times they feel pressured to come to things we're going so how, how do you balance that should we be promoting that and is it really 24 7 community when the only people that communion are the ones that were getting paid yeah. <laughs> in order to have community with you you have to pay them yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> story of my life <laughs> um yeah i mean yeah it's funny for us isn't it because um the only one uh, the only ones employed are don and i yeah, and uh, like we never see each other at minutes, so yeah, it's brilliant. Um, so yeah, I think I think it is really hard, isn't it? Because, um, like I say, oh, it'd be great if we could employ, you know, this person or that person or whatever. And and the question is, well, what would they do when they come here? Because we do, you know, because we've not got a building, because of the context we're in, you know, we we don't do loads of ministries that they could do. We don't do a kids club of our own, or we don't do this or that or the other quiz nights or you know whatever they could be doing uh you know if somebody does an internship at a big church like they get them organized and all that sort of stuff don't they and serving in those areas and stuff we've not got that you know if we get interns like at least one day a week you'll be volunteering in a charity shop um and uh you know I'll, I'll be saying right we're going to the pub for dinner come on you know that 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 that's that's work and and for lots of people that that's not that's not ministry work and so it really is hard to balance that, isn't it? Because what what is needed for reaching out in our in our communities is 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 building relationships with people, being there, spending time with people, sharing the gospel over a long time and stuff, and and um, that don't feel like you're doing stuff. And so that's I think that's another reason why it's so hard for us to attract interns and and people like that because you know we can't give them a flashy um curriculum or whatever it's like well we're, we're, we're gonna find ways for you to get stuck into the community mm. um and i and so yeah it's yeah i i kind of think there's not a an answer is it It really is chicken and egg mm. we can't we we haven't got enough people but what would those people do if if they were all here you know and um yeah, I, I don't think there is there's a real answer. Ultimately, we need to find ways of everybody who's in the church mm. of, of being involved in discipling and being discipled. And that includes building relationships with and discipling non-Christians in the town, you know, to, to obey Jesus' first command, to repent and believe the gospel. Mm. Um, and, and almost, we, we've just got to find, we've got to think outside the box uh, in order for people to do that. Um, yeah. And before I the next point, I'm just going to bend down and plug my laptop in. <laughs> <laughs> you thought, I, I thought you said we were being professional now again. Now. <laughs> so that is a... Oh, bonus. No, I th- why start now? We are in. 
<laughs> yeah, and I think that is is that chicken and egg thing, isn't it? That we need people uh, to help us on the ground, reaching out. There's too much work for the pastor to do on his own, yet there's not enough work for uh, a team on the ground. But you're not going to get enough people on the ground till you've got a team helping you. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's a necessary thing where we need people to help us. In the short term, there'll be very little to do, but through uh, God willing, through through uh, prayer and through continuous outreach and evangelism, these people in years to come will have far more to do. We had an intern from the US. His first six weeks, he was like, oh, there's nothing much to do on board. I said, mate, you'll be longing for these days as <laughs> soon as September starts. And then he was getting kicked in the bars off the young kids. From <laughs> <when> he's, <watching. laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, I wish it was back in the school holidays when I didn't have oh, to do it. But I think, I think we've got to remember, though, that in a sense, I, I think, you know, I've done my wife, our women's work, women's and outreach worker, we call her now, giving her an upgrade. Um, she's... In, in a sense, she's rushed off her feet, mm. you know, not partly because, you know, we've not got loads of other people who've got the flexibility and stuff to, to do stuff, but because she does stuff in the communities, in the community, that's not necessarily what people would think of as gospel work, you know. So she's starting the, the stay and play again tomorrow at the local school. She just runs that for the local school. And she, you know, she was at the story time at the library. Uh, today um tuesday and then this morning she was out um a choir run by this blind lady um and you know yesterday she was volunteering in the charity shop saturday morning she'll be volunteering in the charity shop um and everybody like i've had literally people say well why are you paying her to do that and it's like well we're freeing her up to build those relationships mm. and um and she's building those relationships and there's crossover and those are leading to opportunities to share the gospel and i think um what we need to have if if we're being realistic and you know we're we're loving the 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 real not the ideal is we need to be realistic about what gospel work looks like in un, unreached communities forgotten communities it, it isn't going to look especially if you've not got a building it isn't going to look like you know 15 kids clubs a week and a mums and tots that the church runs and a ladies bible study and a coffee morning and all that sort of stuff it's not going to look like that because we're in a missionary context. You know, we need to get out and among the people. And that is going to look like um, doing stuff that that doesn't look like ministry. And so we need to love that as what the Lord has called us to do here. And, and that's why we need more people to do things that anybody can do, really. Volunteer in a charity shop, you know, um, get out and talk to people. It's it, You don't require massive amount of training to do that, I want to thought. Well, exactly. And, and again, being realistic, the reality is all we can do as church planters in these contexts is preach, <laughs> is pray and is lead by example. But what we're hoping through Medus ministry is uh, we have to we as pastors and planters have to be realistic, but we also have idealistic dreams. And one of the things that we're looking to do is we're looking to uh, provide uh, interns, uh, short and long-term gospel workers to these churches without a cost to the churches that can't afford to employ them. So Medhurst Ministries is currently being formed as a charity. We're going to be a charity in the US and in the UK. And what we're going to do is we are going to fundraise for churches in hard-to-reach places and we're going to recruit gospel workers to uh, 
come and we will uh, bring them through Medias Ministries, train them and then send them out to these churches uh, so that uh, the realistic will soon become the idealistic. But to reach our ideal, we will need your support. So again, please look out. Uh, our website is currently getting developed. A new website is getting developed for us. Uh, our bank account and charity is being formed. But, but please keep tuned to our podcast and in the next few weeks you will find out how you can support that will be uh, the work that we'll be doing through Medhurst Ministries. And I, on that, on that, mate, you know, if, if somebody's watching America thinking, oh, well, you've just said, you know, an internship's going to be crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, it, I, I don't think, I think it's really exciting, you know, because... I'm going to India, like, 100 years ago and losing your wife and kids and, like, dying of malaria was crap. At least that's what's going to happen. <laughs> but the thing is, that... But, you know, I, obviously, you know, if you do an internship with us or whatever, we're, we're wanting to give training and, 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 and discipleship and all those kind of things. So you're going to get all that. But then I, I never before, wherever I've lived before, have I just found it so easy to share the gospel, mm. you know, because people here have literally never heard the gospel. And perhaps if you're watching in America, I mean, Luke said that, didn't he, the intern you had? He said he was just amazed that nobody had ever heard the gospel before. Um, you know, and 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 people didn't know the Bible. And and so you come here, you work in the charity shop, you have gospel conversations. You you know, you sit in the pub having your dinner and you're chatting to somebody on the next table, you, you end up talking about the gospel. What, what do you do for a living? Oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm interning at a church. Well, what, what does that mean, you know? Well, if you can't get to the gospel from that, you're probably struggling. Um, and so it is really exciting to do these things. It just doesn't look like what most people think ministry is like. And again, that's why all of us have, have, have got to love the, the real, because this is what ministry looks like. And it's, it's brilliant opportunities. Yeah. So have zeal for the real. <laughs> <laughs> but you weren't to say that for 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean your jumpers have to be teal? Teal, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be ideal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, class. Well, hopefully we've we've done another plug for Medhurst Ministries. Uh, yeah, there'll be more announcements coming out soon. We've got a, a good board member, uh, <laughs> a good broad group of board members, uh, pastors in Scotland, in. Uh, uh, different areas of, of, of the UK and in America as well. So like, we're really excited uh, about what will be happening. Uh, we've even got Steve Neal involved, which is uh, <laughs> means we'll get plugged on his uh, podcast. He's bringing, the, he's bringing the excitement and the cheery, cheery nature. Yeah. <laughs> oh, class. Well, again, uh, Graham, it's been great chatting with you. Hopefully next week we'll have another podcast out unless something tragic happens. But uh, until next week, thanks for joining us in the In Context podcast. <laughs>